Welcome to Supercharge My Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping you build a thriving and fulfilling natural therapies business. Each week, your host, Anil Mustafa, interviews leading practitioners and field experts, sharing proven tactics, inspiring stories, and actionable steps that will help you unlock your potential. Supercharge My Practice is proudly brought to you by My Appointments Practice Management System. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Supercharge My Practice podcast. Today, I have Amy Mingan, who's a women's health naturopath with over 16 years of experience and a mindset, mental, and business coach. Amy, it's a real pleasure to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so awesome to be here. Awesome. Now, I've got quite a lot that I wanted to talk to you about, but I want to start by getting to know you a little bit better, your background, exactly what you're doing work-wise today, and uh, yeah, just a little bit more about how you ended up to where you are today. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, it all began back, like after I finished high school, I've always been into health and fitness and and the science of the body. And I thought that I wanted to do physiotherapy. So I didn't quite get the marks for physio. I got about 90 when I needed like 98. So I was like, that's cool. I'll start in exercise science, started doing that, and then just was like, "Mm, there's so much more to this. The body's not just a machine. I know that there's mental, emotional things that go on. And so I just put a pause on it and started to look at other options. And I was always interested in the body, started doing energy work and massage and learning those sorts of things and crystal healing. So started to go more into my spirituality at that stage and and learning yoga and really applied a lot of those learnings to my life and then started to study naturopathy, which enhanced all of that. And I didn't realize what naturopathy really entailed until I started studying it, which sounds a little ironic, but I am one of those people that ends up in places and then realizes why in retrospect, why it happens. So I don't know how many other people do that. It's like, you just kind of follow your nose in the direction of like where your heart wants to lead you to. And then it's like, oh, now I get why that happened. Okay, great. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Perfect. Um, And I think it helps us trust ourselves a little more, right? Because you're like, hey, you know what? It's always worked out. Even though this is weird or whatever, it's like, it always works out. Like we get to really try out the different knowledge bases and the different courses and things like that. So I did my naturopathy degree, went traveling solo through South America for four months, came back, started working for a supplement company as an educator and trainer and was running seminars all over Queensland. So that was really big for me. Like it pushed my nervous system to the edge, met my now husband, had a baby, then left that job because there was so much travel involved. And I like am one of those people that really loves to be, particularly when my kids are really little, I wanted to be there for them, wanted to be like that stay-at-home mom of sorts and also be there in the way that I wanted to parent. So that wasn't that didn't necessarily end in a bad way. It just was like, okay, that part of the the chapter is done. So after that I was like ready to get into clinic, ready to be a clinician was very competent and confident as a massage therapist and loved all my clients and was like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do all this naturopathy stuff and massage? Like I was constantly trying to like piece things together of how these could be put together. And because I was at that stage of my life where I was having babies, doing all the fertility style stuff, it was like I would 
I really wanted those sorts of women to come and see me. So I've got a background in women's health because I've studied under Ruth Tricky, who's a fairly famous women's health practitioner in Melbourne. And so I've been very like super grateful for that opportunity because a lot of people have put me in, you know, that category of one of the better uh, practitioners to go and see because of who I trained under. And so I eventually like built that clinic up and then I was like, oh, it's, you know, it was good, but it it was still like, I wanted more. I wanted more. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I followed like the, my intuition to go more towards yoga and meditation and breath work. And all of those things were just like awesome to me. And again, I'm like, how do I blend naturopathy in with that? And so I built my own naturopathic yoga platform that actually educates people while they're in particular yoga poses to be able to do just 10 minutes of yoga flow and be able to tune into their brain, their nervous system, reset their system and actually like open up their body. And so a lot of practitioners started referring to it. It was really, really good. And again, I was like, oh, there's still something missing. There's still something more. And so then I went and learned all the mindset things and people in the industry were seeing what I was doing. They were like, she's doing all this online stuff. And this is pre-2020, by the way. So like I was doing all this online stuff. I had turned myself into like this multi-passionate entrepreneur. I was doing the marketing things. I was doing the launches. And eventually like all these other practitioners were asking me questions and I loved it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you just got to do this. Oh, like check out this particular site to put your things on, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm giving away a lot of free information which then one day I was like, I'm going to start charging for this. But then there was that little piece of me that was like a mm, bit impostery because I haven't done any like particular certification or anything like that. So I went and got certified as a coach and did that through like NLP, hypnotherapy. I did like the whole shebang and then was very, very competent with the language and the techniques and all of that. So Then I brought more so into business coaching, even though people were still getting results in the very beginning, it wasn't necessarily as structured as what I can give them now because I've done so much more with the actual qualifications that I've got. And so now I work more so with the people who are coming to me because they have a certain level of success. They have this certain level of they've made it in life and yet they want more. Mm. And I'm like, hey, I've been there few times (laughs) and so what I do is I like bring it all together with them I help them create this holistic lifestyle this holistic life this bring their business bring their kids bring their partners like what what are the things that they really want because that's what true success is like that that richness of life of being able to wake up and be like what am I doing with my time today like that freedom aspect like it gives me goosebumps talking about it because it's like that's actually what we want as humans. We don't actually want to just work until we die. We want to actually enjoy our lives. And so that's really what I do now is to bring it all together so that people can do what they're doing. They're really great at it and help lots of people, but also like do what's on their heart and feel really amazing while they do it. I love that. Now, the main purpose of today's podcast, we're going to talk about regulating your nervous system and how when it's not regulated, it can really impact your business growth. So we'll touch on that in a moment, but I want to start by saying there's a lot of stuff that I've seen on your Instagram page. And I must say that you've probably got one of the most impressive Instagram um, pages that I have seen. And the reason I say that is because you put a lot of really awesome content that gets your brain going. 
And naturally, you love talking about, you know, regulating your immune, sorry, your nervous system around that space as well. But I'm going to come back to the naturopath, sorry, to the Instagram comments, because I think there's so much value in what you're actually posting. So I highly encourage my listeners to go out and uh, follow you on Instagram. We'll get you a handle a little bit later. But let's start by talking about what a regulated nervous system is. You talk about this being the secret source to a successful business. So I'd love for you to elaborate on this and explain how chronic stress impacts one's nervous system and then consequently their ability to grow and manage their practice. Yeah, absolutely. So I often liken this to when people are in this like chronic state of stress, they're often in survival. And sometimes they're just so used to being in survival, they're wondering where the next client comes from. They're wondering where the next payment will come from. They're either in this fight or flight mode or they go into freeze and they're totally procrastinating. So like there's, and there's a functional freeze state where they're just like, they're getting through their day. They're seeing the clients, but they're not actually getting any business growth because they're in functional freeze. So they're not really pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. The business never actually gets worked on. They're pushing all their numbers to the side, yada, yada, yada. Like this is a really common thing that I see. And what I boil it down to every single time is that even as practitioners who know this stuff, their nervous systems are dysregulated. Like they're not necessarily taking their own medicine. And so what I say is like as soon as we are safe in our bodies, as soon as that base chakra level is like actually feeling great and feeling safe and feeling secure, then we can go up into the next phase, which is more so expressing who you are, feeling more abundant, feeling more pleasure, feeling like you can actually enjoy things again. Mm. And so how does one actually get into that well it's first of all like being really truthful with yourself because a lot of people might be somewhat bypassing it because they're like oh well I've got this and they're like I've got to be positive oh yeah my business is bringing in this much revenue oh, and I've got these many clients and I'm getting referrals from that person and that's all well and good but what's actually underneath that because that's the stuff that I really want people to dig into and it's not to be negative it's actually to be realistic because where I'm most passionate is to help you move to that next level and if you're stuck in survival at that like core level there's no way that your body's going to allow you to do that because the nervous system doesn't feel safe to do it so you're a mother you're obviously a business coach obviously a naturopath as well and I personally can resonate with this I'm probably always in that you know a fight or flight response because there's so much going on in our business uh, give us some success stories. Is it really possible to have it all? Because I know so many practitioners, myself included, I'm keeping on top of my stuff for the most part, but so many practitioners are constantly in burnout or constantly feel like they're chasing their tail and they cannot strike that balance between motherhood and being an entrepreneur as well. So yeah. you're obviously living that dream. Tell us a little bit more about that and the possibility for other practitioners to be achieving the same. Yeah, so I'll pre-frame this as... I am the breadwinner. There's been a lot of communication between my husband and myself so that we can figure out the energetic side of it feeling great for everyone involved. So I want to just pre-frame it with that because I I am in a very supportive and amazingly growth-filled relationship. So I think that that is actually my stability just so that everyone else knows that. I get that it would be way harder trying to do it as a single mom. It would be way harder if the relationship wasn't stable. So I want to just pre-frame that. So first and foremost, my relationship is incredible and we can talk about anything and we both work together. And if there ever is a tiff, which happens sometimes, 
we can straight away like go, oh, sorry about that. This is what's happening for me and we can actually talk through it. So there's that bit. The whole, the mothering side of things, when I stopped, so like in the early years, like I would say when my kids up to probably about three years old, I was very hands-on. I'm like, my my son now is almost 12. My daughter's now almost nine. I was very, very hands-on. And not to the point of being heavily copped a parent, but to the point of being very much like, I want you guys to have healthy attachment. I want you to know what stable feels like in the nervous system. I was very aware of my anxiety type patterns when I first had my son, but I didn't have the tools and resources back then, back in 2010, of like, oh, how do I actually do this? So over time, I've built my tools and resources so that I can manage my own nervous system so that there's less of that being projected onto the kids. So the kids, once they got, you know, into that sort of kindy era, there was there was healthy attachment. So they would go off to their kindy. I would have so much more space and time to be working on my business and I would make the most of that. And I kind of became hyper fixated on growing the business for a few years. And that's where a lot of those like hard conversations with my husband happened because we we made the choice that he stopped working for just any sort of random company and he now works sometimes in the back end of my business and also in the back end of his parents business so they run a a farm up north and he plays this supportive role in everyone's life is that his like call like his calling in life maybe it is for now and also there's space for him to grow in that as well so then what I realized around that time is, okay, it's okay for me to stand up and actually be the breadwinner. It's okay for me to somewhat be perceived as more masculine at times and then to be fully held and surrender and be in my feminine when I'm around my husband. So there's like this dance in my nervous system of knowing when to go all in and go sprint mode and then also knowing when to just like take the foot off the accelerator and actually just chill not and I want to like stress this bit particularly to the people who are like oh that sounds like burnout material actually no for me it's about really learning to like tune into where am I each day what are all of the supportive things that feel really great for me because me in my most energetic state is doing the things that I love is speaking to the people who I really love speaking to is the quality time and that's what I mean with the kids I went from quantity to quality so, yes, I spend a little bit less time with my kids because I am working. I, I get that. And, like, there was a whole lot of mum guilt that I needed to let go of around that as well. Like, that's a process in itself. There are a whole lot of these female entrepreneurs, they're like, but how do you do it? And I'm like, you actually have to learn to let go and trust because, like, part of you wants to control the outcome of, of your kids, but they're their own people. So, like, we always sit at the dinner table together. We always have our chats. We always say goodbye and hello and, like, kiss and hug and like there's always the connection piece and that to me is really really important because that shows that like those early years I'm like I'm really happy that I did it that way because they do have that secure attachment so they know where home base is and they know they can talk and they also know oh mum's door's closed so I know not to go in there. That is something that I that I personally struggle with and I know a lot of other women struggle with as well is that mum guilt because you do want to be there present for your business I love working I love being with my kids and sometimes those two clash and um, I totally agree with you about letting go of that mum guilt and I think for me when I started and I wouldn't say I've let go of it but I've started working towards letting go of that mum guilt because I want to be present for them but equally I want to be successful in my own uh, business as well so 
I totally relate to that. Now, as you said earlier, that most of us as practitioners understand the signs of, you know, nervous system failure or, you know, overstress and stimulation. But I think we can recognize it very easily in other people, but not recognize it so much in ourselves. So I'd love for you to just shoot off a couple of signs of symptoms that business owners may experience when their nervous system is really under stress. Mm. The really busy mind. It's like the the to-do list shooting off at all hours of the day, like and that like feeling in the pit of your stomach like you've got stuff to do and you're never getting the to-do list done. So that's like quintessential like stress mode. There's a difference between having a lot on your plate and handling it in the moment and being present with it and being frantic and handling it. So there's uh, Dr. Libby actually like coined this perfectly. She calls it rushing woman syndrome, but I think it happens to guys as well. They just seem to hide it a bit better than us. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this thing around like women have lots on their to-do list. Women are like doing five full-time jobs. There's like we're doing the cooking, we're doing the cleaning, we're doing the ironing, making sure the kids get like all, like my kids have three different school uniforms and it's like what day is what, you know. It's like, we have to like put things on the fridge and make sure that things are done and put reminders in our phone. Like this is the role of the mum these days. And that's the mum without even adding in a business, without even adding in like how do we make sure that all the supplies are paid and, and that that person's paid their invoice and all these different things, right. So there's always about 10 different things running in our head at any one time. And so that franticness, if you can like take a moment and be really present with your body and just like actually go out of your head and further into your body, that is probably key to most people. And they might say, oh, yeah, but then that's going to slow me down or they might come up with any other descriptor of what that is. But if if you go through your day and you're not actually feeling your feet, like the energetics actually all, it's like, the brain is so full of blood flow that it's shunted away from your gut. It's shunted away from reproductive organs. It's shunted away from everything. And if you're not, if you haven't felt your feet or you haven't felt yourself breathe, it's a really big indicator to say that you're running on sympathetic dominance. Mm-hmm. You are a very calm person. I feel honestly just calm even just talking to you, but you must have your moments as well where you, despite being organized, you have your moments where life just gets in the way of everything and you feel so overwhelmed how do you personally get yourself from your current state as we're talking uh to you know that state where you're overstimulated and you're you're really struggling how do you kind of bring yourself from there back to where you are now so i really uh, i've set up systems that really help my brain and nervous system a lot so i write a lot of things down and i've got specific things that i write in specific places so, for example, if I'm with a client and I need to, or even if I'm on like a discovery call or anything like that, I have one spot. It's in a remarkable, you know, those, it's like an adult ex, ex, etch a sketch. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone gets their own like file inside of that. So that keeps everything there and that gets backed up to Dropbox. So I feel really great about having that. And then I've got like my daily sequence of events that happen each day. So I either write that out the night before or first thing in the morning. And then I've got like a personal journal that if there's ever anything that feels like it needs unpacking or like that's really on my mind, I'll get even just one sentence. If it comes up and I feel like it's a, you know, like an activation in my nervous system, like, oh, what's that? I'll write that down in the journal and that gets dealt with either right away or at lunchtime or in the evening. And I just go, all right, cool. This is what's happening for me right now. 
what is the most critical task? And my life changed when I started saying that because the overwhelm only comes from all of the teeny meaningless tasks trying to like bombard their way into the to-do list. But if you go, what is the most critical task that I do right now? And you actually complete it, nervous system, dopamine, and you feel so much better. And then you've got the energy to do the next thing. Okay, what is the next critical task? So it takes a moment, like you need to take a moment, bring yourself back in your body. Oh, can I feel my legs and feet? Okay, cool. I'm back in my body again. Take a breath. What's the most critical task? Ask yourself that and then complete the task. And then you actually feel like you're back in control again. Because otherwise it's literally like a bajillion things going on, on in your head and anyone who's studied anything to do with the unconscious mind, we literally can only hold between five and nine pieces of information at most. This is for a neurotypical person, by the way. People who are neurodivergent can hold way more, but for the sake of this podcast, five to nine pieces of information at one time. But like I said, even just like, being in the kitchen and having a kid come and talk to you and you thinking of like your to-do list that's sitting in the office, that's enough to overwhelm most people. Yeah. And that's a great, some advice, uh, great advice there. Um, when you're overwhelmed to just come back to the priorities, what I have found is not when I'm in that overwhelmed state, but I'll have my to-do list. I update every single day, but when I'm starting to feel like there's just too much on this list and I'm never getting to the end of it, I just get through the stuff that's really, really quick, the things that I can, you know, get done very quickly because suddenly when you start getting rid of those little menial tasks that, you know, really pick at your brain, then you automatically start feeling less overwhelmed because there's now less to do because you've got all that stuff out the way. And at that point you start prioritizing the things that need to get done. So that's something that I found works for me as well. Now you talk a lot about there being a misconception amongst practitioners that if they're not in their feminine energy, that it's going to lead to burnout. You also mentioned that the quality of your energy is created through being in both your female and your masculine energy. So let's first start by breaking down the difference between the feminine and the masculine energy. And then I'd love for you to elaborate on this misconception and why it's important to be present in both energy sources. Mm, Perfect. I love this conversation and it comes up a lot because there's this big thing about when someone first comes to talk to me, they're like, so I really want my clinic to be like really busy for one-on-one. Okay, what's busy for you is my first question because busy for one is like 18 people in a day and busy for another is like four. (laughs) So there's such a big, like there's a continuum of what someone has decided that their nervous system can handle and it's all perfect. It is what it is for each person. So my suggestion is, when you're tuning into yourself, notice, like, are you in this more like ma- the masculine, I would say, is shaped a little bit like an arrowhead. Like the masculine energy has this hyper focus and it's very action oriented. The female aspect of our energy is more like a V. So, like, where would the arrowhead go into? It goes into a V. So, it's more like receiving. It's contemplating. It's more spacious. And so if somebody allows themselves to have bits of both of those in their day, then they're able to actually listen to what their nervous system wants. They're able to listen to their own body. And they're able to ponder things. Like that's where a lot of my information and things that I share, my thoughts and my ponderings, like that's where it comes from because I've given myself the space to consider 
what happens in life, what happens in the body, what happens with people. Like I'm just fascinated and so curious about human behaviour that that's what becomes a lot of my topics of conversation. And so that happens when I'm in my feminine and it doesn't necessarily, then the action comes from me then putting that out there on social media. So that's that's a more masculine thing. And yet some people might be like, oh, but you're so feminine. I feel so calm around you. And I said, yeah, that's because my nervous system's actually in a stable place. Now there's a difference between somebody having more of that like frantic energy and you've probably been around these people, like you might meet them at a networking event or like a, a conference or something and they kind of come up to you and they're like kind of like a puppy and they've got this like like bouncy sort of energy about them and it's kind of a bit like, whoa. And then you've got the other people who are like quite quiet and like introvert, extrovert, doesn't really matter. This is what's actually happening at a nervous system level that I can always feel in, in people. And that's why it's so important that we practice both. We practice that action step by step by step, more methodical style of, of life in the masculine, as well as this more open receiving and being able to, to actually conceptualize things because you can't, but people are only burning out because they're not allowing themselves the space. But then if they're only in their feminine energy and they're only contemplating, then nothing actually happens because there's no action being taken. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's where the healthy balance comes from and it always happens in a healthy nervous system. So for someone who is in that really frantic state, we talked about prioritizing, writing a list and prioritizing those most important things. But is that the first step for you? Like if you meet someone and they're in that really frantic, their nervous system is shot, you know, they, they're really struggling to, to manage life because of all the complexities. Is the priority list or the, the prioritizing the task the first point of call? Or do you have any other advice around how to, someone can take themselves sort of from that frantic stage? to a more regulated nervous system. Yeah, I would even go as far to say, like, how can you slow down? And if this is someone who's like, like I've met so many practitioners who are just hyper, I would go, like that's where the 18 clients in a day, there's no way I would see, me personally, I'm like, no way would I do 18 clients in a day. That's just not, that's not going to float my boat. But some people love it and that's the thing. If that's the thing that they love, great. But if they're burning out, then it's not so great. So it's like what I'm always figuring out is like is this person at capacity? Because if we think about where the nervous system is, if we go fight or flight, it's like the top end of that more like frantic energy and then like we've gone into freeze mode if they're in the bottom and that's more like depressive sort of things. If we go anxious is at the top and then depressive is also at the bottom, how do we bring someone to what I call calm clarity? That's actually the first point of call. So if someone's under-functioning, then we want to like bring up their vitality. So I'd normally get them to do some breath work. That would be first and foremost and get them more connected with their body. And then we'd start looking at their priorities. But also it's about like what are they actually enjoying? Because if they're in more so like that depressive mood, nothing actually that used to work works in that situation so sometimes it's about going all right let's just do a clean slate and let's try one thing at a time like what do you like what do you want to do and it's about like going step by step so that's like gradual stepping into masculine gradual 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 and then one day they're like they wake up and they're like i had energy today 
And cool, great, they're starting to move up. Whereas the person who's at the top end, where they're super frantic, we want to bring them down. Again, we can regulate with breath work. We can regulate with different lifestyle practices. It always comes back to some form of behavior change first. But if that frantic person does just do the one thing, because often I would go as far to say often they're trying to do 50 million things at once and that's why they're overwhelmed. (laughs) So just that frantic person who is the high achiever, who has lots of things on the go, I speak to people like you all the time, so it's all good. <laughs> just do the one thing. The, the one thing method has enough to just literally change your life. And you just do one thing at a time. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm actually so much calmer. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Now, having a regulated uh, nervous system obviously sounds fantastic, but we mentioned earlier, inevitably stuff always goes wrong. So I just wanted to touch on that again and ask for your advice for the practitioners that feel really overwhelmed by the unexpected things and find it challenging to move from that state back to that, you know, that regulated state. Do you have any suggestions or feedback that you could impart with our listeners? Mm, Definitely. So I would say that, yes, things happen in life. And is this, first of all, I would have a question around, is this impacting their way of being able to show up as their true self? Because sometimes this, like things happen and there's major things that occur in life. Somebody might lose someone. They might be going through a big grief stage. They might be selling the business or going through a relationship breakdown or moving states or, you know, we're talking major life changes. And if they're going through things like that, sometimes that's always just front of mind, front of mind, front of mind. I think the power actually comes in when you can take it. I call it the zoom out method. So problems only exist when we're zoomed in on them. And this is not like, please don't take this as an invalidation of anyone's feelings. Everyone's feelings are completely valid. But when we're totally zoomed in on something, we're so like watching every single detail. We're like triggered by the different things that might occur. And it's like the slightest noise in the night wakes you up because the nervous system's so like on overdrive about the thing, about whatever the perceived problem is. If we zoom out for a moment and just have a different perspective, so just zooming out allows you to be less in the emotion of it and more in the objectivity of it. And if you go, okay, so that is the problem right now, and then you start going, right, so this is this is actually influencing how I'm showing up. It's influencing how I'm feeling 24 hours a day. Okay, and you just start doing this like I call it self-soothing. And it's like, just really acknowledge exactly what you're feeling. And often I'll get people to say it out loud because that takes it out of the brain and it just helps you transmute it. Because thinking about everything is vibration, everything is energetics, the voice box itself works through vibration. So by speaking it out, it can change the vibration of the thoughts. So that's the theory behind that. But if people can zoom out and go, okay, here's what's happening Here's what feels like the truth. Here's how I feel about that. And then just go through and be like, here's the thing that I can control right now. Just focus on one thing that you can control. And if the one thing is like taking the next breath, then perfect. If the one thing is like, okay, today I'm going to actually look after myself by stopping and eating lunch. Like there's so many like really basic stuff. And I think that that's actually what most people forget to do when they're in those really heightened states. Look after yourself. Like you're actually the most important person. 
and they like they get so frantic making sure that everyone else is okay and practitioners like that's what we're here for right we are actually such beautiful healers and yet sometimes we forget to heal ourselves first mm. so take the perspective go objective focus on what you can control and look after yourself is the best piece of advice that I can give around anyone who has a perceived problem right now. That's amazing advice. I really love that. So the other thing um, I wanted to talk to you about is the demand by our patients. Now, despite one's best efforts, you get patients that just need that extra attention between consultations Mm-hmm. And I find that for a lot of practitioners, this is one of the things that leads to that burnout because as healers, we naturally want to be there and we want to support our patients. But being able to be there as present as some of our patients' needs uh, actually takes away from our own uh, place of abundance, I guess you could call it. So have you found this in your own clinical practice where you've had that really kind of needy client that kind of zaps you of all your energy or you're just finding you're having to give them so much more? And if so, how did you manage it? So again, this comes back to the nervous system. And so if you're in a really great space in your nervous system, then these, I would put them in the category of like, these are anxiously attached clients and they are wanting to set up a codependent relationship with you. They do this with the people around them because like, and I'll go, like it's probably their inner child, they didn't get enough attention, whatever, whatever, whatever trauma in the in the background, right? If you can hold your clients with such compassion that that's probably where they're coming from, automatically you just go, oh, okay, she just needs some reassurance. Oh, okay, she needs to know that that's going to work for her. Right. So my suggestion is if, if anything's coming up in you, first of all, check out what's happening in your own nervous system because I'm so all about us as the leader, like the leader as in we are helping facilitate their journey to healing. It's less about the supplements that they take or the exercise that they're doing or the food that they're eating and it's more about their believability that they can heal. So if you can hold that space within yourself of, okay, you go through your own mental checklist of like, okay, well, I've set set them up with the plan that I wanted them to take. I've explained it really well in an auditory way during the consult. Okay, I've, I've replied to that question. The next port of call is actually making sure that you've set really clear boundaries with them. Because these people who are anxiously attached, they they want they're actually pushing and waiting for the boundary to be made. Now, a couple of things can happen here. Of course, say it kindly. Number one, yes. <laughs> don't just be like, "I don't do things out of out of hours." Blah. Be like, "Oh, thank you so much," and here's my hours of operation. And or I really love the. Um, it's like an email signature, and you can put something like, "This is a calm inbox." I reply on this day at this time. And then it's just there. Like people don't have the outside expectations that you're going to make automatic responses to them within five seconds, like on social media. You know, mm-hmm. like people have this expectation of instant gratification. Absolutely. Yeah. So these anxiously attached patients, if they can actually get this feedback that here's the boundary and I'll answer you here, or hey, this is best kept for the next appointment then that actually helps them grow up their nervous system. Like they go, oh, okay, I'm actually pushing the boundary here. Oh, all right. And that gives them space to actually hold themselves for a bit. 
So you're holding them with compassion, you're holding space and you're setting a boundary so that they're not, you're not letting them tread all over you. You're actually doing the thing that's with, well within what you feel is the scope. And everyone's going to have a different scope here, by the way. So some people are more than happy to answer all the questions. Some people I personally have set up on uh, like a message service in between so that they can message me whenever they want. And funnily enough, eventually they don't need it. It's like the more like the more I give them, then they eventually are like, oh, I worked it out. Or they, they message and they're like, I was going to ask a thing and then I worked it out. I'm like, perfect. So mm-hmm. sometimes it works in the opposite direction that if you give, 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 give infinitely, they're like, oh, well, I don't need to push that boundary anymore. So depends on the practitioner, depends on the client and I would encourage people rather than feeling like people are zapping them of energy, what are they currently doing for themselves? What sort of energy they're holding for themselves first and foremost and then holding their clients with compassion and then just setting a boundary. I love that. That's great advice. Now I want to go into um, an Instagram post that you put up about high achievers and it was you mentioned this at the start of the podcast as well where you kind of achieve something and then you're like, well, what do I want to do next? And that's certainly my life. And I know a lot of practitioners are the same when they start getting really good at clinical practice and they feel like they've, for the most part, nailed it. It's like, what's going to happen next? But you also talk about high achievers having a potential for higher dopamine levels and less serotonin, which can lead to success, but lack of satisfaction, which I think is huge and something I want to explore. So I'd love to elaborate on this and what it means in a practical sense for someone who classes themselves as a high achiever. Yeah. So they've done studies on this and it fascinates me. I love all of this stuff in neurotransmitters and also how to hack them so that we can be more productive. Yes. And also like, how do we do this so that we are satisfied? So it's it's to do with, if anyone's read the book, The Molecule of More, it's in that. And he talks about how the nervous system, yeah, it's just adapting to every, all the stimulation that we give it. So the brain clearly relies on our senses in order to send the signals to it. So if we are delighted by what we see, then we'll get like, you know, the dopamine in the brain. If we are not delighted, then we get like this, this negative connotation. The people who are natural high achievers have a natural potential for creating more dopamine in their body and then they get the it's like they've got the dopamine bug so it's not just about them being high achievers it's that well once they do that well then they want more and then they want more and then they want more so they tend to be the people who are that they they will push the boundaries more with their body if they're doing workouts they will run harder if they're sprinting they will go for the high distinction in their uni degree they will look at the things that are outside of the box so that they can like gather the things together so that they can feel like that they've got the best of the best of the best. Now, the, is there a problem with this? Not really. It's only a perceived problem. The perceived problem and what I've noticed with some of my extremely successful friends is they get to a point where they're just like, I've kind of done everything but they're not like ready to die. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> I'm 38 and I've done everything that I said that I wanted to do. Oh, this is this is weird. What do I do now? So they kind of go into what I would consider like a bit of a void in their life and they start going, well, what's the next thing? What's the more thing? What is, but it's actually got nothing to do with the more anymore. 
It's actually to do with them being present in their body, them being present with their nervous system. This is often when the slowdown in life starts to occur and they start to look for more meaning. And the slowdown happens under the guise of serotonin. So the, these people who have pushed their bodies and pushed their nervous systems and, you know, their gut health has probably been the last of their priorities up until that age, now they start going, oh, it's actually time to really look after myself. Oh, wow, like I, I used to do this. And they will start to find so many more juicy aspects of life and really start to enjoy it once they can be more present. And that's, yeah, definitely under the guise of serotonin. So I find that the people who naturally have learned how to balance out that masculine feminine, that slower aspect, I would say, like just to give it a bit of a label, but it's not it's not necessarily just this, but it's it's almost like the dopamine feels more masculine and then the serotonin feels more feminine in their, their energetics. And so if we're allowing those like siesta times, if we're allowing some even like yoga nidra in the afternoons, if we're allowing some of that like slower stuff when our serotonin is naturally higher. So we naturally are going to have more dopamine in the morning, more serotonin in the afternoon, rather than go, 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 till we like hit dinner time and then fall into bed. We've got space for serotonin. We've got space to be present. We've got space for contemplation. We've also got space for the feminine. And this goes, this isn't just a female thing, by the way. Like I'm not talking about it being gender-based. Feminine and masculine energy runs throughout males and females. Like it doesn't actually matter what gender you are. This is about like how does your energy work and how does your nervous system work and how can we actually do it in a more balanced way so that we can really enjoy our lives. Mm, That's fantastic. And now in another Instagram post you said, and this I really wanted to highlight because when I read this, I'm like, that's me. But it also, I can see how being in that state leads more to burnout, leads more to putting more pressure on your nervous system. So the quote was, if it feels easy, you're not there yet. If your voice is shaky, your eyes watery, heartbeat is racing a little when you're thinking about your mission, you're on track. To achieve the next level, you must go into your ego. So that's the quote. So I'd love for you now to explore this more with us and tell us what did you mean by that and how do you have that working in your ego, working towards that next level, but maintaining your nervous system and not pushing yourself into the overdrive? Yeah. So it's about doing the hard thing and it's about going, what is it that I really desire in life? So this is really about a lot of people in the spiritual world will say, well, you've got to drop your ego. You can't do things out of ego. And what I've actually learned is it's healthy to have ego because you're backing yourself. Mm. If you're not backing yourself, who is? And ego also comes with belief. Ego also comes with putting yourself out there and having the bravery and the courageous feeling inside of yourself to be like, oh, I'm a bit shaky. I'm really not sure what's going to happen on the other side of this, but I'm doing it anyway. Like it takes ego to do that. It takes ego to wear the nicer clothes when you go out. It takes ego to like go and have a a fancy photo shoot to upgrade your brand. Like it takes ego. Also, though, in Australia, they'll be like, oh, they're up themselves. Oh, they're only doing that because blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's a status thing. But what what I realize is you get to a point in your life and it's not actually just about you. 
Like you actually are just playing a role in a bigger mission. And that's how I feel I am in my life right now. It's just like there are so many things that if you had have asked me about, like let's take offers, for example, there's multiple offers that I pretty much give away that is some of my absolute bestest of the bestest of the best because I purely want people to change. Like I care deeply about the mission. And people are like, but you're not making money on that. I'm like, I'm making a little bit, but it's more about the people being able to make the change. And this is the first and foremost thing. I want more people to feel safe. I want more people to be able to make informed decisions. I want more people to actually, once they're safe, I know for sure they're going to come back for more. Like what, like this is me in like a philanthropic thing. And is that ego-based? I don't know. It's like who actually gets to to decide like what is the ego? But I, I sure know that you kind of need to be a little bit self-obsessed in order to get to the point to be able to get there. And so that's where that comes from. And absolutely, like you said, it's all just about backing yourself because if you can't back yourself, well, then who's going to back you? So I love that. It's been an absolute pleasure, Amy, talking with you today. I have one final question for you, and this is something I ask all my podcast guests, and even though you've given us some valuable wisdom today, I would like to ask you if you were just to give one piece of advice to a natural healthcare practitioner aiming to build a successful business that they love, what would it be? Figure out what it is that you love and build that. Because if you can actually figure out the business that is happening from your heart rather than happening out of survival and you get to build the business the way you want to build it it doesn't have to be the same way as how everybody else does it this is the big thing you might leave your you might finish your degree or finish college or whatever it is and have all of these people giving you their very well-meaning information and and suggestions of how to do things I want uh, my big piece of advice is tune into what you really desire and build that. And if you don't know how to, then reach out to other people who might have done it in a similar way and they'll be able to help you. That is the thing that will keep you going. That's the thing that will prevent burnout. And that's the thing that's going to connect you to your mission, which is part of the greater mission, which means more people get helped. Mm -hmm. It's that old adage of, you know, if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life again. How can our listeners find out more about you and your coaching programs? Yeah, so come and connect with me on social media at Amy Mingan on Instagram, best place to find me. I do have several different um, ways to work with me at the moment. I've got a quantum healing course coming up in February on the Gold Coast, which is for any practitioner who wants to actually come in and learn the styles of energetics that I utilise the languaging and also the mindset around how disease is actually created in the body. So that's a really, really awesome course that I've brought out. And also the coaching, it's all via application. So if you are drawn to, just reach out to me. We can have a chat and I would absolutely love to connect with more of you. Excellent. And the uh, hand, your Instagram handle will be on the show notes as well so people can easily find you. Amy, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, Anil. Thank you for tuning in today and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest releases and for more helpful tips, look for me on Instagram under the handle supercharged my practice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my appointments.